in the back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. As fast you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Bass University Live. Today, I will be your host. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Rich. Some people call me Riz. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a different look today in the studio. We're kind of running a little bit of a skeleton crew, if you will. We're spread out all over the place. Uh, Pete's doing some on-water training. BTC is doing BTC things, building houses. Uh, so I'm going to be running the wheels of steel today a little bit, and uh, I'm also going to have some help from the wonderful Miss Jocelyn. Jocelyn, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be in studio. Um, we have a, I think it's going to be a great show. I mean, yes, we don't have Pete, we don't have Greg, we don't have Brian, but we have Riz be fishing. <laughs> <laughs> that that's right, Jocelyn. I'm I'm going to do I'm going to do my best to to fill in for these guys but it's it's big shoes to fill when we're when we're talking about the absence of pete and btc they're the dean the the deans and the carpenter yes and the carpenter so um guys we got a fun show uh set up today for you we're going to be talking to kyle hall uh he just recently had a first place finish and a second place finish up there on lake champlain um, first place in the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. Um, that is a massive, massive accomplishment. And then he follows it up with a second place finish in the Tackle or in the Toyota Series for the MLF event. So talk about a hot hand. Uh, that is him. Um, we're also going to be showing some Bass U bucket list content today. Um, that's that's some original programming uh, that's featured on the Bash UTV website. So if you haven't seen it, today's going to be your chance to check out what the Bash UTV bucket list uh, is all about. And then in the last segment of the show, I'm actually going to be doing some demonstrations for you guys on all the awesome features of the Bash UTV website. Some of the search features, some of the ways that you can identify exactly what you want to learn about on Bash UTV. That's all coming up later in the show. Um, as always, guys, this show is brought to you by Tackle Direct. We are in the Tackle Direct studios right now. And there's some other companies that we work with as well that we got to mention. Bass Boats for Sale, that is the number one resource for buying and selling uh, bass boats online. These boats are highly vetted, uh, they're tournament ready, and they have a boat for every single price point. Whether you're looking to buy, you know, for just a few thousand dollars all the way up to close to $100,000, guys, they got a boat for you and they can help you sell it. Uh, also, AquaView. 
Guys, this is an amazing piece of technology. The AquaView camera shows you what's below. Uh, it, it really it solidifies what you think you're seeing on those units. I saw some awesome footage from up north of some smallmouth swimming around following the camera. It's really, really cool stuff. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, you should right now. Um, and our friends over at Hobie Eyewear, they make some amazing polarized sunglasses that are comfortable. They're lightweight. And some of their models even float. For all you guys that have leaned your head over the side of the boat, hat falls off, glasses fall off to the bottom of the lake. Well, guess what? Not with Hobie Eyewear. These, thing, these things float. And they're just flat out really good sunglasses. Um, so... With no further ado, uh, there's been some things going on in the fishing industry, like we mentioned before. Mainly, it's been the Kyle Hall Show uh, with a win and a second place up there on Lake Champlain. Um, and congratulations to Brian LaBelle. He actually won the uh, the Toyota Series uh, on Cha Lake Champlain last week. Heck of an accomplishment. That's a Vermont guy, local hammer on uh, Lake Champlain. So way to get it done up there. There was also a MLF BPT event uh, this past week on Cayuga Lake. And for everybody that knows a little bit about Cayuga, Cayuga is an absolute fish factory. I think I saw more pictures of bloody scabbed hands during that event than I have ever before. I mean, that just gives you an idea of how many fish these guys were truly catching at that lake. It is a fish factory. Uh, big congratulations to Dustin Cannell. The Ding crew got it done again. Uh, Dustin got another win on the Major League Fishing side of things. And his good buddy Jacob Wheeler followed him up right there in second place. Extended his lead out on Jordan Lee uh, for the AOI race for the MLF uh, Pro Tour by a little bit more. So Jacob Wheeler really has his hands on the control wheel for the for the BPT. Um, he's going to be tough to catch, but it's not undoable. Um, and last but not least, our friends over at Bassmaster, they're coming back this week on Lake Hawaii, Oahi, Ahahi. Mm -hmm. Lake Oahi from South Dakota. Um, guys, this is a smallmouth fishery. And if you've never looked at it on the map, I'm just going to tell you right now, you should. It is like 160 miles long. No exaggeration. Um, it is absolutely huge. Uh, you know, I'm seeing pictures of big smallmouth. I'm seeing pictures of buffalo in the background, mountains, Mount Washington, the the Mount Rushmore, all of it. It's uh, it's all going on up there at Lake Oahe in South Dakota. Um, and from what I'm hearing, there is like nowhere on this lake to get gas. So what the heck do you do? How do you break down uh, a body of water that's that's that big when you can't get gas anywhere? So. Uh, that'll be an interesting one for sure. Uh, we'll be looking forward to to seeing some results from that. And all all signs lead to say that the fishing uh, on Lake Oahe has actually gotten better since they were there in 2018 when Mark Daniels Jr. won. Uh, he did a lot of his damage on a Ned rig. Um, but this past summer, there was a seven and a half pound smallmouth weighed in at at lake oahe scott that's a giant giant smallmouth there it's huge. huge josh could you catch a seven and a half pounder i could catch 10 easily easily jocelyn could catch a 10 pounder um so this is really going to be a fun event um lake oahe it's it's like it's like uncharted territory it's these guys are fishing on the moon basically 
You know, it, it's it's the, the fish don't see much pressure up there. A lot of guys walleye fish, a lot of guys pike fish, a lot of guys trout fish up there. But you know what? These big giant smallmouth are left pretty much untouched. So um, that's going to be a cool event to watch. Can't wait to see how all that shakes out. Uh, big implications on the Bassmaster uh, AOI race as well. Um, we got Brandon Polinick. He's still holding it down. He's 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 leading the charge for the Bassmaster AOI, but he's got some guys nipping at his heels that can flat out catch him to the likes of David Mullins and John Cox. So um, we'll see how that all shakes out. You know, they got a back-to-backer going on. They're uh, Lake Oahe. They're fishing that this week, and then they're rolling right across to the Mississippi River in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So uh, things are really, really going to get electric over there for the last few events of the year. Um, and we can't wait to see uh, who comes out on top. Which, uh, who do you think is going to come out on top? Who's your? Pick? You know, I honestly, Josh, I think that I think that uh, Brandon Polinick is going to be tough to run down. He's been there before. He's done it. Um, is you this know, the first time they're having it at like Oahe? So it's going to be the second time. In 2018, they were there, um, and it was a smallmouth fest. It was uh, it was dominated by smallmouth, and and we saw some really big weights: twenty pound bags, twenty one pound bags. Um, and you know, like I said, apparently the fishing's gotten even better. So we'll see. It it, it could really be could really be a slugfest. Can't wait to see how all that goes down. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of forward-facing sonar going on. Scott, you got to experience that yeah, a little bit. fantastic. <laughs> Up in Champlain, like every day, it was just pick your target and hit him on the nose. Oh, incredible. man, watch him eat the bait. Yep. Set the hook and go. So, guys, that's all coming up. Um, we'll be we'll be keeping tabs on that for sure as well. Um, but we have Kyle Hall. He's, uh, he's going to be joining us in the second segment here. We are going to take a quick commercial break uh, before we come back with Kyle. And, guys, it's a great time to take advantage of the programs we have going on right now at BUTV. Um, we have a six-month membership going on right now for $49.99, and that gets you a $25 Tackle Direct gift card as well. All right, so if you're on the fence, now's a great time to do it. You're basically getting six months for $25 when it comes down to it because you're, you're, you're getting your sign-up fee, and then you're going to spend some money over there at Tackle Direct, get your gear, go out and apply it to the things we're teaching you about. Um, and if you're not ready to pay yet and you're not ready to join the whole program and you're just kind of milling around waiting to see what's going on, use the code BULIVE30. That's going to get you 30 days of unlimited access to the Bash University program. All the same things a paying member would get, right? But the first 30 days are free. You get to try it out. That comes with a whole slew of member benefits. Uh, companies like Missile Baits, Rapala, VMC, Cash and Rods. Um, and our guy Scott, he just keeps adding more companies to this member benefits discount. So, guys, it, it really does pay to be a member of the program. It's like a family over here. We're just trying to help guys catch more and bigger bass. So don't wait. Get signed up. During today's show, you'll be able to interact with us on the message board. Get your questions through to Miss Jocelyn, and she'll bring them on. And we'll get them answered by Kyle or whoever we're talking to. So um, awesome time to sign up. I'm going to quit rambling now. I'm going to get the commercial queued up, and then we're going to bring Kyle Hall, the hottest angler in fishing right now, is what I'm going to dub him as. Um, I mean, he just walked away with, like, 
$160,000 in two weeks. That's, that's a really nice weekend. That's <laughs> that's tough to say that he's not the hottest stick in the country right now. So um, quick commercial break. All the companies that support us, we need you to support them. They keep the lights on for us. Uh, if you want to keep hearing BU Live, you got to support these guys. So here they go. Uh, we'll be right back with some more Bash University Live. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Right, guys welcome back to bash university live uh we are getting ready to bring on uh as i said just a few moments ago the hottest angler in the game right now kyle hall uh but before we do that miss jocelyn there's a couple things you wanted to let us know about um what do we got going on 
Well, our good friends over at Johnson Outdoors, Hummingbird, Minn Kota, have partnered up with the American uh, Sporting Association, the ASA. They have a nonprofit called Keep America Fishing Program, and they're doing an online fishing tournament, and it's for both freshwater and saltwater. But uh, Johnson Outdoors has generously provided the first place winner of this online tournament, a $500 prize pack, which could include the latest rods, reels, lures, coolers, electronics, and other gear. But there's also prizes for second and third place as well. Um, All proceeds uh, go to the nonprofit uh, Keep American Fishing Program, and I think it's just a great way uh, to keep everyone active that's that's right it's it's involvement it's getting people started in the sport of fishing and they do a lot of really good things i think it's really cool too at over at johnson outdoors there you have a clean earth challenge yeah um and that that just protects the waterways and it it keeps everyone happy and fishing and absolutely that's that's a big thing that we have to be cognizant of as as anglers and not only just anglers just activists of really planet earth when it comes down to it we got to make sure that we're taking care of the water we got to make sure that our waterways our fisheries are kept clean and supporting companies like this that are leading the charge uh that's really really important stuff guys so do your part check them out and uh i'll provide the link for people to sign up it's only 25 dollars, and you could win 500 dollars prize pack as first place and their second and third place so I'll provide the link for everyone. Online fishing tournament. Online fishing that, tournament. That's awesome. And you know what, guys? That means anybody can enter. So definitely give them a check out. Uh, but with no further ado, uh, I want to bring on uh, the man who is just flat out catching their butts up there uh, at at Lake Champlain, which, you know, anybody who's ever been there, you know how special Lake Champlain is. Uh, it's a... It's a unique fishery. It's flat out full of fish, and sometimes that can kind of kind of get in the way of things. You know, you you get caught catching a ton of fish, a lot of three pounders, a lot of three and a half pounders, and then you get bumped out by the guy that caught a half a pound more. Right? Well, this guy has done something a little bit unique lately, and I can't wait to hear about it from him. Kyle, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh man, I'm I'm doing great. Honestly, I I got nothing to complain about cuz I'm getting to talk about some fishing and I'm going to learn about some pretty cool stuff that you've been doing uh lately up there on Lake Champlain, man. It's been a been a heck of a run. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I enjoy y'all having me on here, but it's stinging a little watching uh the title live this morning. <laughs> oh man, man, right, right. So that's the that's the trail that you fish in. Yeah, it's uh St. Lawrence River. I've won there before and it seemed pretty bad not getting to fish that thing, but hey Champlain was good. Yeah, you know what? A couple of a couple of big checks will kinda ease the sting a little bit. I think that's a <laughs> that's a that's a good remedy. Yeah, it did that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh speaking of speaking of the St. Lawrence River, you you won there in in 2018, which is not just that's not a couple days ago, man. That's 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 a few years ago. You've been you've been going at this thing for a while now, man. How what how long have you been fishing? When did you start fishing professionally? What 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 got you going in all this? Uh so I started traveling with Dakota E-Bear 
um, I think 2016, we fished some Toyota Series and BFLs the first two years. And then 2018, we decided to go up north and fish the Toyota Series, and he was fishing some bass opens and stuff like that. And um, I ended up winning the Toyota Series on St. Lawrence, uh, Thousand Islands, actually, because we're out of Clayton. So, um, and I was just to the point that my dad sent me he's we went to visit a college this is how it all got started we went to visit a college because that's what i wanted to go do and when we went and visited on the way home he was like instead of going to school i think i'll pay for you four years to go fishing and if you don't make it in four years then we'll rethink the situation and four years into it i was like we're getting about close like then I won at 18, so a couple of years later, I got on the pro circuit, and then won rookie of the year the first year, and all was great. I was hit living high on life. I finished tenth in the point. Right, unstoppable. The next two years, years kind of went downhill. Then this last tournament really kind of turned things around again for me so right right i don't know what the, but i'm excited to see yeah yeah you know we actually talked a little bit about this on the phone yesterday but you know you said you were you're you were out of it as far as the points are concerned uh for this year and you know you went in with a winning mentality right right i found something last year around the same time of the year on champlain and as soon as they released the schedule, like I was already itching to go. <laughs> and, um, it ended up working out. So, talk talk a little bit about the the mentality you had going into it because you know you you weren't like you said you weren't fishing for points. You were you strictly went up there to try and win the dang thing. So how did it feel different going into this one than just a, a regular? you know, a regular season event where you're thinking about points, you're kind of not thinking about points. This time you just went in to win, man. How did that, how did that feel? What were you thinking going in? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't, uh, going into it, I was knew I was like 96 in the points. So even if I won, I wasn't going to make the title. So my back was kind of against the wall, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm, went out there the first day of practice and I kind of just checked the stuff from the first year, last, last year. And, um, they were, they were a lot shallower than I thought they were going to be on some of the same stuff. I caught them on shallow last year. Okay. And first day of practice, I kind of got comfortable with knowing like, I know where they are and I know where they're headed, but not many of them are out there real deep yet. So, I kind of just played the shallow deal, and I, I slept great the whole event. I, mean, I wasn't nervous the whole time. I wasn't nervous until the final day when scale said 21-6, because I did not think I had that. Right. And myself up in the weigh-in line, and when it said 21-6, I knew it stuff's about to get real <laughs> yeah stuff's about to get real you're you're gonna be walking into the bank with a big check that's what's that that's gonna get really really real um yeah, what's so, weird i slept a lot better in the week of the pro circuit than i did the toyota series okay well, I, slept, 
night. I was relaxed. I was calm. I knew what I had to go out and do the next day. And I had a series that there was guys catching them, and I knew I had ground to make up after the first day, so I didn't sleep much. Talk about the the lake and did it change between the the tackle where I, between the between the pro circuit event and the Toyota Series? Sorry, I keep stumbling over the. There's so many trails now. I have a tough time keeping up with them, to be honest. But um, how, did things change between those two events? Like, did the conditions change? Did the fish move on you? What went on in that week in between? Um, they did actually. When I found them. First couple of days of practice and the first three days of the tournament, I spent I spent less than 18 foot of water, the majority of the three days, the first three days of the pro circuit. Um, the first day, I had 20 pounds early, and so I just ran out to one deep spot that I found them in practice on the similar stuff that I found them last year, and I caught one big one immediately, just like I did in practice when I got over there. So I left. And the second day, I went back to my shallow area, caught them again. And I knew if I catch enough fish in that shallow area, come the final day when the weight zeroed, I was going to go out deep and I was going to stay out there because it was the right ones when you did catch one. So um, I ended up staying on the fourth day all in 40-plus feet of water, and it worked out. And then for the Toyota event, there was no fish in less and I didn't catch a fish less than 40 feet. So, wow. I would say it was out there, how I many, six days, seven days? Good gosh. Yeah. So they can, they definitely, they moved a little on you for sure. Um, talk, talk a little bit about how, what you do in Texas, because you, I've seen your, 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 your social media. Man, you catch some absolute giants out there. And, you know, ha, is what you're doing in Texas like, is it similar in any way to what you were doing up there? Cause like it's three events now where you've had really good finishes in the state of New York and you're from Texas. Like they're a million miles apart. What, what, what how are you, how are you so good up there? It, it honestly really is. I think that at Champlain last week, I covered a lot of water with the trailer. As the last day of the pro circuit, I hit one spot all day, and I probably moved. I probably spent five or six, seven miles on the trolling motor in a one-mile stretch. I was just going back and forth, and that's what we kind of do down here on these lakes that I've been fishing. You just cover water on the trolling motor because if you're running past them, you go fish this point and run to this point with the big motor. You're running past a lot of fish. So if you just troll the motor the whole way, you're going to see those fish and you're hunting individual fish. So um, that's what we do down here. And I've got really good down here at telling the size of them. And I think when I got up there, it's a much harder to tell the size of them. But I think by the end of the week, come the fourth day, when it really matters, I could tell the size of them pretty good. Versus like, Because they don't get much longer up there. They just get more round. So... Right, right. So you're so you're hunting, you're hunting individual fish, right? That's what you're doing down there in Texas. That's how you're catching those giants, man. So how did you figure out how to, you know, you're you're not looking at the length on your live scope. You're you're trying to identify the eventually like, or I mean, essentially how round they are. What what got you to that point? Like, how did you how did you figure that process out? 
honestly, I've become friends with one of the best live sonar guys probably in the world right now. Um, his name's Josh Jones. You've probably heard of him. Mm-hmm. And he taught me a lot of what I know about the live sonar. And he taught me how to do it, but it's taken a lot of time for me to be behind the screen myself to actually say, okay, that down here in Texas, that's an eight pounder, that's a ten pounder, that's a twelve pounder. Okay. Up there, it's a lot harder, but you could tell the difference between a two and a four pounder. Okay. You know what I'm saying. Okay, and and uh, you know, go a little bit deeper on that. Like, does do you get a different return on your sonar, or do you see a different shape, or do they move differently? How are you identifying like the, the differences, or is it just purely a size thing? It's it's mainly a size thing. Um, the first three days, it was actually by the sec- end of the second day off that shallow spot, I could kind of tell how big they were just where they were sitting in the water column because it seemed like every four-plus pound, pound fish I caught was sitting like three-quarters of the way down, every one of them. The small ones would be way up at the top in big schools and if i could find a single that was three quarters of the way down most of the time that was a four pounder so just throw a swim bait over its head and watch it come all the way to the top and eat it (laughs) yeah that's that's fun stuff watching them come up to your bait um but it sounds like there was a little bit of of like there was a you you were developing a pattern inside of just like the the live sonar hunting if if you know what i mean like because you said you were looking for them in specific depths and you almost it, it almost seems like by the end of each day or at some point in each day it's like you knew what part of the water you needed to be looking for them in it was just a matter of at that point finding them with the live sonar is that kind of what was going on yeah i would pretty much go like you would see the of the small ones and I say small they're anywhere from six inches to two pounds there would be about 20 of them together and they'd be sitting like right on top of the water and I would go past all those because I had casted at a bunch of those in practice in the first couple days and I never caught over a two-pounder so I knew don't waste your time on those it seemed like every one of the ones that were three quarters of the way down and you had to cover a lot of water and then all of a sudden you would get in this one stretch and you would see like 10 or 15 in the matter of 10 or 15 minutes. And it was just a matter of getting them in the boat and getting them off, getting the next one. Right, right. So when you're fishing these things on the live sonar, is it is it just like the, the, the you know, I say old school and it's not even really that, that long ago, but, you know, the... We, we would say, like, you know, once you get the school fired up, you got to get that bait off. You got to get that fish off. Get your get your bait back in the school right away because you got them going. Does that apply to the live sonar as well? Like, do, can you see the activity of the fish? Yeah, you can big time. But, I mean, it was pretty hard to get two of them out of the same school off the shallow spot to buy. And you would almost have to mark waypoint because they would be somewhere around the same area if you come back to them an hour later or so. So if you found a school of big ones, you just hit a waypoint, come back to that waypoint, start there, and kind of just make work your way around that area, and you would find this. I, I say the same school, but don't really know. Um, but 
somewhere in that area you would start finding better fish. And I, I was assuming it was the same school. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's like you, you got to let them cool off a little bit or you, you got to let the school set back up and then you come back to them and you can get them to go again. Gotcha. What kind of baits were you throwing at these, uh, at these fish? What was your, what was your go-to technique? Uh, the first three days in the shallow stuff, if I could, if I, I was watching one center, if I thought they were set up right and I could get a swim bait to them, I was throwing swim bait. I was throwing it on 20 pound tattoo, cigar, a big line. I just, I don't like fighting them smallmouth on them light line and all that. I mean, adrenaline rush, you lose a bunch. I didn't lose any on swim bait. I mean, they would come up and crush it. Um, you would miss a bunch, but I think the ones that didn't miss were small ones. When there was a big one, they would eat it all the way down the throat. So um, that's pretty much what I wanted to do was catch them on the swim bait. So when I thought I saw one that I could, that's what I would do. If I thought I'd seen a group of them that probably really wouldn't react to a swim bait and were sitting kind of on the bottom, I would catch a drop shot with a flatworm shad colored because that's what they were doing is chasing bait um flatworm and a baby c2 okay cool stuff so when you say they set up right for a swim bait or they they weren't set up right for a swim bait how how could you tell was it how they were positioned or the way they were moving what was going on there so the ones in like three quarters of the way down it was like 14 feet so they'd be sitting at 11 or 12 feet and if they're kind of just sitting there you can tell on the sonar because you'll see like their tail or you won't if they're just sitting there i'd pitch a drop shot over to them because they really aren't active but if you can see that tail swimming and you were kind of like having to so you have to turn your sonar to keep it on them because they'll be swimming to the left or the right so that's how you know if they're swimming if they were swimming at all i would throw a swim bait over them because i knew they were out hunting looking and um Oh, looks like we lost your video there. Getting a phone call. Somebody wants to buy every single swim bait that you threw this week and then every single single Berkeley Max scent. Yeah. I don't know how to get back to it. We had you back for a second. Uh, We still got your audio. It looks like you just came off the camera. There we go. Now we see you. Got to turn your audio back on, though. There he is. Can you hear me? We can hear you, man. We can hear you. What went on there? Were you uh, getting a phone call or a text or, you yeah. know? Yeah, Josh is calling. He's probably mad I'm talking about him teaching me a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, Josh, give us just a second, man. Come on. We'll we'll, we'll lay off him here in a few minutes. But um, when you were throwing that swim bait, what, what kind of swim bait were you throwing? Was it just like a Kytec style or? It was a it was a, actually a six cents divine swim bait. They, okay. uh, the the threw those and the, all the small ones would come up and try to eat it, and they would just rip the tail off of it on the first or second cast. So I got pretty frustrated trying to throw those. I figured out the six cents divine swim bait. It had a little bit thicker back half to the tail, mm-hmm. and the all ones, if they did come up and hit it, they wouldn't eat the tail off on the first or second cast. They just lasted a lot longer. I was on heaviest head I had in my boat. I think it was like a half or 
five eight. Right. I was throwing it out there, burning it. I mean, even if they were ten feet down, if I got it right right over their head, they'd come all the way up, even off the bottom sometimes. So you were moving that thing, moving that thing pretty quick. As soon as they, as soon as I could tell that they seen it, I'd speed it up, and they'd think it's getting away from them or something, and that's when I caught the biggest one. That's uh. You, you just gave up some juice right there. Guys that are watching the show, take note of that one. He said when he noticed that they were following it, you speed it up. You don't slow it down. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't stop it. It's got to be more natural. And I don't know any shad that's just going to slow down and let it smallmouth eat them. Right, right, right. That's like a, a bear chasing you in the woods. You're not going to slow down. You're going to speed up, right? You're going to try and get away from that sucker. That's awesome stuff. What um what reel? What reel were you throwing that on? Like what gear ratio? Uh I was throwing on Shimano Corrado DC. I think it was an eight five. Okay. All right. So you're moving that bait then. If if you start turning that handle fast, you're 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 bringing that thing in pretty hot. Yeah, but I've never seen I like you don't really know how fast smallmouths are until you watch them on that sonar and when they start chasing that. It's like the faster you reel, the faster they get. And I don't think they, I mean, they caught it over time. And they, sometimes they'd eat it right by the boat. So you, you can't, you can't get away, get it away from one that wants it. That's, that's for sure. How about the, how about the rod length action, all that good stuff? I was using an Odie Hammer 610 or for the swim bay, I was using an Odie Hammer 7.6 medium heavy. I just wanted that longer rod. It was windy. Right. I, Passed it a long ways. I had my sonar set out, my live scope set out to 120 feet, I think. So, gosh, dang. You're a popular man. What can you say? You just you just won a bunch of tournaments. Yeah. Um, uh, Odie Hammer 7, 6, medium heavy. Yep. I was like I said, and when I set the hook on him, I wanted to do get in on them so right right you weren't think, you weren't playing I, with them i think i had a seven six heavy rigged up too for the couple of days it got windy just in case i couldn't get a hook in them but gotcha gotcha that's that's awesome stuff catching smallmouth on a seven foot six bait casting rod that's that's no finesse you're you're hooking those things and you're having your way with them you don't you didn't want to mess with that spinner rod much huh i think the first day i both of like three of the four pounders that I weighed in. So, oh gosh, it was. <laughs> That's awesome, man. What uh? How about that? How about that head? So I'm a, I'm a swim bait thrower. I, I throw a swim bait a lot. So now I'm you you get you perked my ears up when when you said that you're catching these suckers on a swim bait. What was the uh? What was the head that you're throwing? You said it was heavy, but what uh? What it was a thick divine head as well. They the divine screw lock. Yeah. They make a head with a big heavy hook and. Didn't want it bending because I knew I was gonna be boat flipping some of them. So. Gotcha, gotcha. And when you got the bite, were you were you reeling and leaning, or were you were you going just full send, smoking them, just cracking the cracking the whip? I was. So they would hit it a couple times, sometimes before they'd actually eat it, and I would have to keep speeding it up. So it really took a lot for me to not set the hook on the first hit. Right. And. I would just keep reeling faster and faster as many times as they hit it. And finally, even if small ones were hitting it, 
I cast it at a big one. I know there's a big one down there. And, like, I knew any second they could eat it, and they would. They would come up and take it from the small ones, and here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was drilling all the way down to them and just letting them have it. <laughs> big rod, big line, big hook set. Got to love it. Uh, Kyle, we got some questions for you uh, on our on our Bashu TV message board. Jocelyn, what do the people want to hear about from Kyle? Okay, well, we have a couple questions, actually. We have three of them. Okay. Um, first is from Mr. Higgs. He wants to know, what, is, what are your top three confidence smallmouth baits, and any, are, ugh, are any of them unconventional? Uh, mainly, other than the swimbait deal, that was the deal that I found. Just I wanted to use big line, so... Other than that, all I throw for smallmouth is a drop shot. Like, I throw a Ned Rig. I've never caught a good smallmouth on a Ned Rig. I throw a drop shot, big weight typically, so I can fill them. There's times that you can't throw the big weight, but mainly the Z2, Strike King Z2. Okay. And change the colors in that between a green pumpkin or a white. That's the only two colors I'll throw. And a flat worm and green pumpkin or white. I think once you get into all the other colors, it doesn't really matter. But Gotcha. That's the trot is the number one bait that I throw. That's the only thing that I had six of them rigged up the final day, and I had six rigged up all three days of the Toyota series. That's all I had. So Awesome. Um, and then we also have a question from Howie. He wants to know, Kyle, do you find that the same weight slash size smallmouth usually school together, or is it usually a mix of weight and size? Um, most of the time, I would say they school. The big ones will be in wolf packs, four or five, and they'll all be big. But there has been times that you throw down there in a school of small ones, and I can I can see on sonar, I can see twenty of them sitting there and I can pick out the biggest one and be like, That one's three times as big as all these little one one and a half pounders. So there is times that they'll mix up, but I don't think it's very often. Um, the schools I like to find are schools like giant schools. Like the day I won, I was sitting on a school of probably a hundred of them. And that they were all off the ledge, but the only ones that were eaten were would be right up on the ledge. And there was like ten of them, and I caught eight of them, I think. And they were all four pounders. Now, did so. you did you like see fish moving up on the ledge out of the school that was off? Like, did you see fish go up onto the ledge to like actively feed, or if they were off, did they just stay off for most of the day? Most of the ones that were off stayed off, like. There'd be, I would go down the ledge. How I found it in practice is I went down the ledge in 30 feet, and then I went down. This ledge is two miles long, keep in mind. It took me three hours. It took mm-hmm. me the whole second day to figure out where these were, fish were on this ledge of practice. I went down in 30 feet, and went down in 40 feet, and I went down in 50 feet, and I figured out that in practice, my best area was going to be the 40-foot stretch right in the middle. And... There was fish in 50 and there was fish in 30, but not very many. All the fish were in 50, but every now and then he would get to the school that had moved up onto the ledge. 
you could find several schools in 50 down that ledge that they wouldn't eat. But as soon as you found the couple that moved up to that 40, those were the ones that were going to eat. Say that again, uh, Scott. Yeah, I was going to say, is there any uh, bait patterns you were following? Were they spitting up perch or are they eating minnows, that type of thing? Uh, that was actually perch, L-Y, the shad type. I'm not even really sure. I think something like a Texas shad. But yeah. perch, L-Y, and what I call white bass. I've heard them called shiners, yellow perch. Mm-hmm. or uh, white perch there was all three of those in the area and some of the white perch were small enough for them to eat um but i caught mainly the 10 to 12 inch white perch oh gotcha that's awesome yeah when i was using the live scope up there i was following the baits of fish the bait fish to the to the bigger fish <laughs> Yeah, there was actually three different sources of food. So I think that's what kind of had them. They were the, everything was there. So right, they had the whole the whole buffet was there, ready for that's them to Lake eat. That's champagne, right. baby. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Um, so Kyle, man, that is some absolutely awesome stuff uh, about how you got it done. Um, what what do you got going on down there in Texas, man? You're you're a guide. You also work in a tackle store. Um, you know, you're, you're in the construction business. What else are you doing other than fishing, man? What, what all's going on? Well, my dad and my brother are actually the real estate guys. I don't, I don't do much of that. I'm, I'm tackle store and guiding. Guiding's really about to pick up here come November, December, and January during the off season. Once it gets cold down here, that's the best month to catch these giants. So. I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, shout yourself out, man. What's your What's your guide business? How can people How can people find you? Uh, Kyle Hall Fishing on Instagram, Facebook. Um, pretty much it. What's uh? In In what part of the state are you in? What part of Texas? Uh, Grand Prairie, Texas area. It's close to Fort Worth. Um, we I go to all these lakes around here. A big lake that we go to is OHIV, PK, um, lakes like that. If y'all ever heard of them, they're unbelievable. So, yeah. Um, That's awesome stuff. We're catch- so get ready. Double, so double digits coming out. It looks like daily down there. Is that a, is that an accurate accurate take? Yeah, I think I went uh, one. I, I went four days back in June, I think it was. Four days, I caught six double digits, and three of them come in one day. So, yeah, that's uh, that's insane, man. Uh, man, heck of a run you had up there at Champlain. Uh, you know, you you, you didn't you, you weren't able to get into the to the pro circuit championship this year, but you capped off the year with uh, a win and a second place to ease the pain. So that's uh, that's an accomplishment well done. Um, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us, man. We, uh, we really, we really enjoyed hearing about the ways that you, that you targeted these fish, that you caught them. And, uh, you know, we got to know what's, what's next for you. Are you staying on the, are you staying on the same trail next year? Are you going to maybe try to go to the elites? What's going on with you? I think I'm going to stay on the same trail and try to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. Um, 
that's the plan as okay. of right now. Um, I may have a couple more tournaments left this year. I don't know. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go to St. Lawrence River and fish the Toyota because I'm leading the wild card. And to make it to the Toyota Series Championship, you have to fish four events. Well, I've only fished three. So. Well, hey, you got some history up there at the St. Lawrence River. What time of year was it that you won up there in 2018? Uh, it was the first week of September, I believe. And this is going to be a little bit later, so there'll be more out there deeper, which is what I like. And trying to decide if I'm going to go, I'm going to plan it the next week or so. If I'm going to make my way back up there. I'm not looking forward to the drought. It was miserable coming home, but kind of gets my blood pumping thinking about it. Yeah. Well, hey, you can do it. We, uh, we'll all be pulling for you here. Um, Kyle. Thank you for the time, man. Um, if people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that? Kyle Hall Fishing on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I follow back too. So. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, that was Kyle Hall. Um, heck of a run, Kyle. Thanks for the time. We look forward to talking to you again. And good luck up there at the St. Lawrence when you go lock up that wild card. Sounds good. Thank you. All Thanks right, man. Me. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Wow, what a uh, what a guest uh, we had there with Kyle. Um, sounds like he's a live sonar specialist hanging around to the likes of Josh Jones down there in Texas. Um, you know, those guys are really revolutionizing things on how they target the biggest fish in the lake consistently. Um, it's uh, it's really really a in art inside of itself, everybody's using live sonar, it seems like these days, but not everybody is catching the biggest fish in the lake consistently. And he did that not once, but almost did it two times in a row uh, at Lake Champlain against some of the stoutest competition that you can have. Um, so speaking of Lake Champlain, guys, as I said in the first segment, we are going to uh, leak a little bit of unseen footage for some people that are out there right now and that is the lake champlain bucket list on bashu tv uh we took the time a few years ago to put together this feature to showcase one of the best lakes in the country and the time of year that we shot it is not too long from now it was mid-september uh so about a month from right now is when we shot this uh, I was lucky enough to be a part of that shoot. We were running the drone camera from my boat, and I was there just to watch Pete and Mike catch all these giant fish. I didn't actually get to do it. I'm still a little bit grumpy about that, but we'll get over it one day. Um, so, guys, uh, I want to cue this up for you right now. This is the Lake Champlain Bass University TV bucket list. <music> Welcome to the bucket list on Lake Champlain. Guys, this is uh, something I've been looking forward to bringing to you guys for a long time. It's been on our, our production schedule and we're finally here. And it's, this, is, this is a special lake to me. This is Lake Champlain. This has been a place that, man, I, I, I fell in love with from the first moment that I came here. It's been so long ago now that uh, that was my first experience fishing here on Lake Champlain. And I remember when I, when I first came, the, I was 
so amazed at the abundance of life on this lake. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. I saw something that, that lit a fire in me that I had never seen before. Uh, just, uh, just so many fish, so many bait fish, so many birds set here in the Adirondack Mountains. Smallmouth, giant largemouth, northern pike everywhere. Uh, every type of fish species that you want to go after is here, but none more abundant than the largemouth and smallmouth bass that live here. And the size, uh, a lot of the lakes that we have been to throughout the country, you know, you know, catching four pound fish is kind of tricky. Not here, you know, four pounders abound in both species and they're just absolute blast of fish. I'm going to be joined shortly by my partner, Mike Iconelli. Him and I both have had a love affair with this lake, had a lot of success tournament fishing this lake, had, had just a lot of fun learning how to fish these types of waters on this lake. Whether you're fishing for largemouth or smallmouth bass, we're gonna give you the tools, show you how we do that, and we're gonna be doing it here on Lake Champlain. Man. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Good night. <laughs> Welcome to Lake Champlain Bucket List, Bass University. Whoo. This is my favorite lake, it always has been, and this is why. This fish is 20 years old, and there's so many of them. They're so beautiful and thick. We're here in September. They're feeding up, getting ready for their winter, and that's just a beautiful, beautiful largemouth bass. Beautiful Lake Champlain bass. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Mike Iconelli's gonna be here. We're gonna be talking to him about all his great Lake Champlain stories, and we're gonna be fishing for these guys and some brown ones too. So, so stay with us guys. Pete Gluzek for the Bash University Bucket List. Why should Lake Champlain be on everybody's bucket list? Cause it's gotta be, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, why is it? And you know what's funny though, before I answer that, when you ask people, and you, you know, that's a question that we get all the time. We've been getting that question for 10 years. What's your favorite place yeah. to go? Dude, 75, 80% of the guys, I don't care if you're from Florida or Texas or Alabama or up where we're from, Champlain's always on their list, dude. If it's not number one, it's two or three. Right. right? Why is that? You know, I, I think, I think because it's a dynamic lake from the standpoint of catching 50% largemouth and 50% smallmouth in, in a given area. I think that's the unique factor. There's a lot of smaller ones, but the big one is, dude, where else can you go and catch 20 pounds of largemouth flipping the reeds 
turn around, go back on the same stretch, but fish out and catch 20 pounds of smallmouths. Where else can you go in the country and do that? That's, that's the reason, a big reason, I think. And then all the other stuff, man, the, the sheer size of it, you know, the, the, uh, the, the beauty of this area. We're upstate New York, you know, right now in the fall, I mean, the leaves are changing. It's gorgeous, you know. Not a lot of lakes in the country where I think this is a lake that you can still go and catch a fish that's never seen a bait in certain areas of the lake. The middle of the lake, dude, I really believe my heart and soul there are fish in the middle of the lake that have never seen, a, that have never bit an artificial lure. Very rare, dude, very rare. And that's this lake, you know, special. Yeah, special. It is. it's 150 miles long and, and you're right. Yeah. There's fish that haven't seen stuff. Yeah. They call it the, what, what do they call it? The, the last Great Lake or the? The sixth the Great sixth Lake. Sixth Great Lake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the sixth largest lake in the yeah. United States. It was founded, or it was discovered in the 1600s. By, by Champlain? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I don't know how I guessed that. <laughs> yep, and, and um, you know, a few years after that was the first time I fished here. <laughs> the, um... <laughs> that was right before Woodstock, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a little bit before Woodstock. Okay. That was the first time I fished here. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you fished Dude, Lake Champlain? Dude, I remember, I remember the first time I fished Lake Champlain like it was yesterday, and it was so long ago. It was uh, May, late May of 1990. It had just first joined my bass club. I was a senior in high school, and the club that I joined, the Top Rod Bassmasters, they had a club trip every year, and this is where they would go. So Top Rod and the competing club, which was Barrington Rod and Reel, had been gone even before that, probably since the mid 80s. So I had built up that, well, man, when I joined this club, this is one of the reasons I want to join this club is, dude, I keep hearing these stories of Hudger Fish days. I'm like, Plus, this can't be true, you know what I mean? But I remember coming up here with my club, staying at a cabin just like this. It was a different cabin, it was a cabin in the passage, what we call the passage. And um, dude, I remember how basic everything was back then, you know? I had four rods, I had a tackle bag, tackle logic tackle bag. We had to bring a trolling motor up because you got in a rental boat. When you rented the cabin, you also got a 14 foot, 14 or 16 foot V-Hall with the cabin and it had like a 15 or 20 on it gas, so you, but you would bring your own trolling motor. So we brought trolling motors, we brought these portable depth finders that had a suction cup transducer. Dude, it was, it was really exciting, you know? But I remember the first, we get up here in the first morning, you know, it's like the anticipation of, is it gonna live up to the hype that I've heard about? You know, it's my first time, and it's huge. And, you know, we, literally, we, we're in the passage and we launch, and we kind of all follow each other. And it's funny that this is the first place I ever fished on Champlain and it's still an amazing spot. And we make a right out of the cabins and we start going and we're just looking around. We've never been here before. Who knows where to fish? You're looking around. And all of a sudden, as we get a little bit further down, we start seeing these giant white rocks. And it's so eye-catching, you know? It drew our eye and we went to these white rocks. And I mean, three boats, staggered in a row on these white rocks and I, we, we caught a hundred apiece. It was the most unbelievable, you know, experience up to that point in my life for catching numbers of fish, 
size of fish and the mix that was there, you know? You know, 50 small mouse and 50 large mouse in one day on pretty much anything you wanted to throw, you know, spinner baits, soft baits, vibrate, lipless vibrations back then. It was incredible. And I mean, it was the kind of experience that, you know, hooks you on this place, you know? Now, it was a long time ago, you know? It was a long, long time ago. 30 and years ago. 30 years ago. And um, I don't know that it's quite as good. A lot's happened in those 30 years. This lake's received a lot of pressure. But there is still the potential to come out here and catch 100 fish in a day. That's, dude, that's special. That's special, dude. That is, that is pretty awesome yeah. about this place. Yeah. And I think you might have done that today. Yeah. We I, let you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, damn camera guys, you know? They would let me just fish in the rain. It would be all right. We got to sit in the cabin and talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, your buddy John McGraw, my buddy, yeah. too, said that you ruined the Lake Champlain trips. I did. You absolutely ruined it because it was all even, all even field. They come up, you get the John boats, but then the one year you showed up with a brand new Ranger. I did. And ruined everything. I probably did ruin it. <laughs> I probably did ruin it. Yeah. I Zipping around. Dude, it was incredible because it was literally, you know, again, you got to remember um, this trip was always for Top Rod. It was always late May, early June. And I won that tournament. It was the 1994. Bassmaster Top 150 on Lake Norman. I fished it as a co-angler and first place was a bass boat. It was a 374V. So I came up here pulling this boat, basically not knowing how to drive a bass boat, not knowing how to back it in. In fact, when I launched it at Gwen's place, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the plug-in. I didn't, even know, I didn't even know you were supposed to have a plug-in about it. He sunk the boat as soon as I launched it. Um, but it was interesting because I learned a lot about the boat but it opened up this place for me for the first time. You know, we were limited to a certain extent with a 14-foot John boat. And outside of the passage and maybe gone five miles that way and five miles that way, we didn't know a whole lot. And all of a sudden now I had a 18-foot boat with a 150 and I learned what's, what's past that bridge at the mouth of Massissiquoi? What's up there? The Inland Sea was always so intimidating. What's down the Inland Sea? What's this Knights Island, Butler Island? What is that? And it really did. It, it probably did ruin it um, because, you know, it, it really expanded the horizons and you got to see how dynamic this lake was. It's not just white rock and, and reed banks. It's, you know, boulders. It's island points. It's docks. It's uh, cans, buoy cans. It's sailboats. It's all this stuff. And, um, man, I learned a lot. I don't know. Outside of fishing in South Jersey, I don't know that there's a single lake that I've fished in my lifetime that I've learned more at than, than Lake Champlain. Honestly, I think from, from power fishing to finesse fishing to everything in between, I think I've learned more at this fishery than any other lake, you know, in my, in my life, you know? It's amazing what happens when you get a hundred bites in a day. It's crazy. It's eye-opening about yeah. how fish yeah, and, and, behave. And, and it, it, you go from not knowing a bait to getting those bites and, and it's confidence and that you get to that mastery level. Mm -hmm. You know, like the lipless bait's a good example. The first couple years we were catching them on lipless here. I had caught fish on a rattle trap, rattle spot up to that point. But when you have 50, 100 fish days, you start to learn the bait really well. You know, what it does and, you know, slow roll versus burn versus yo-yo. And it's amazing. So I could probably think of 
five to 10 baits that I feel like I mastered here. You know, I've caught, I caught them on it, fish on it before, but catching that many fish here took me to that level of mastery where you can go anywhere with the utmost confidence and catch a fish on that bait, you know? Oh, he thumped it and <laughs> I was ready to call for the net again. Now you'll see me raise my rod tip up when I'm trying to come over the rocks and get out of the grass. But then I put my rod tip right back down so I can get that bait down, down to where it needs to be. That's a nice feature of, of this eight foot rod is I can really get that bait out there. Ooh. Oh, holy camel. Man, they just knocked slack in the line. I had one on and missed it, and this one came back and got it. Did you see that? Man, this looks like another good one. Oh, it is, it's another big fish. Another big Lake Champlain fish. God, good Lord, look at the size get down here <laughs> look at that choked it wiggle war good gosh lake champlain guys i gotta come down here oh my gosh this i mean Fish like this are so old, they've been around forever. It's a beautiful northern largemouth. Man, did he really, he just wolfed on that wiggle wart. And this is, this is why I call this lake my, my favorite lake. There it is. There it is. Look at that wiggle wart. Giant largemouth. That's just amazing, amazing. This is, uh, uh, this, this kind of fish right here, this is, what, this is what helped me fall in love with Lake Champlain, these beautiful, look at the belly, look at the healthiness of this fish. It's just an absolute beautiful, beautiful largemouth bass.
It's a northern strain. It's up here chomping yellow perch, and there's just piles of these guys up here, way up by the Canadian border. It's just so much fun. Whether you're fishing for these fish or you're fishing for brown fish, I'm gonna let this guy go. Oh my gosh, what a fish. What a fish, there he goes. <laughs> Man, it just reminds me, it brings me back every time that happens to the, to the first days that, that I came here on this lake. And they, they sent me here for a Bassmasters tournament, Bassmaster top 100 years ago. And uh, I had never been here. I saw it on the, on the schedule. And the first day I put, on, put my boat in this body of water, it just developed a love affair for, the, for this lake because of the opportunity to catch fish like that and lots of them. And being able to do it in so many different ways, whether you like to fish grass or rocks or docks, uh, you know, trees, creeks, main lake, those fish live here. They live here in schools. And, um, and it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. You can catch them on uh, everything from flipping and cranking to caught that fish on a, on a, on a wiggle wart. And, um, you know, be able to catch fish like that, be able to move back and forth between largemouth and smallmouth all day long. Set up here in the, in the Adirondack Mountains. This is one of the prettiest places on earth. Uh, it's just, it's my favorite, it's my favorite place to fish. You gotta come up here, you gotta take some time, bring the family, bring your fishing buddies and your club, come up here and, and enjoy this lake if it's on your bucket list. Uh, and it should be, if it's not, it needs to be on your bucket list. It's just a, it's a phenomenal place to fish. It's so unique, it's so diverse, and it's so abundant with life. Come on up here and enjoy it. Let's, uh, let's switch gears here a little bit. All right. We're gonna, we're gonna drop some Bash University knowledge on people. BU knowledge. Yes, we're gonna try to do that a little bit. All right. Um, from someone that has never been to this lake before, yep. take, take us on a, a, a talking tour from Ticonderoga all the way up to Canada. Absolutely. In my opinion, Lake Champlain, it's massive. Like I said, it's the sixth great lake, you know, it's giant. But you can break it into three sections, in my opinion. You know, you've got the north section of the lake, if you draw a straight line from Plattsburgh to Mallets Bay to Burlington, Vermont, everything from there up, I would consider the north end of the lake. Um, it's my favorite area of the lake, you know, to, to put it frankly. And the reason is because it's really a 50-50, a true 50-50 fishery up here. It's got dynamic shallow flats and coves. It's got deep rock, sheer bluff, everything in between. I love the northern northern section of the lake. The other thing that's great about the northern section of the lake is you can get around up here. Um, you know, the wind blows, you can get to a ramp. Even if you launch somewhere, you can usually hide behind something. So I like that factor. Um, then you go to the midsection lake. So that would be from, from Burlington to Plattsburgh, south, all the way to the, um, the Champlain Bridge, you know, where the entrance to Ticonderoga is. That to me is sort of the the middle section of the lake. The beauty of that area is that it's the most undiscovered, under, underfished section of the lake. And you know, I, I mentioned it before, but I really do think there are schools of fish that are swimming in that midsection that are unmolested, that don't get fished for, you know? Um, the middle section, you lose 
some of the largemouth water, right? It's got less flats, it's got less weedy coves. You've got more deep structure, more vertical structure, more rock. So it's, it's smallmouth water, you know, it's smallmouth heaven in, in the midsection. And then you've got the bottom of the lake, which almost is a system into its own, you know? And um, it's the dirtiest water in the lake, it's got the most color, it's uh, more ravine, you know, it has more river characteristics throughout that section. And that's from the Champlain Bridge, the mouth of Ticonderoga, you know, where, where Ticonderoga begins, all the way down to the lock, you know? Um, literally, Champlain, I remember my, my early Redman days, I fished around the lock. There's a lock and dam down there where it gets, you know, only a couple widths of the boat. And there's literally a, a stopping point, a lock. There's another area called South Bay, and Ticonderoga South Bay area is shallow, it's weedy, stained water. You know, deep water down there is 20, 30 foot. Central and north of Champlain, you've got 80, 100, 200, 300 foot of water in, in Mid Lake. So it's shallower, it's weedier, way more flats, way more vegetation. And because of that, it's dominated by largemouth down there um, and a lot of big largemouth, you know? In a tournament situation, I think the, the north end and the south end are really, you know, pri always prime targets for me. And historically, if you look, look at the winds here over the years, it's either, it's usually one in one of these two sections. Iconelli's three-day total catch was enough to hold off the always competitive Klon and claim first place. 61 pounds and three ounces. You know, and again, I, I really think it's because of the flats, you know, it's, it's the areas of the lake that have the biggest flats. And you know, from, from BU, our rule w is the bigger the flats, the bigger the population of fish, you know? So um, in a nutshell, that's, that's Lake Champlain, you know? The northern section of the lake from Rouse's Point where the Canadian border is right down to about here where Plattsburgh is. That's, the, that's mainly a bass and pike area. A lot of shallow bays. Um, then when you go from from uh, um, you know from uh, Plattsburgh south all the way down just past Westport, that's the deeper section of the lake. A lot of lake trout and salmon are down there. That's mainly the lake trout and salmon area of the lake. But there are smallmouth and very few largemouth in that area. And then when you get past Westport and you go south, it shallows up again. And that's, um, it gets a muddier water down there. It's a clay bottom, so it's nothing wrong with the water. It's just a clay bottom, so it's, you can't see in that area. And that's when you start getting to more largemouth areas down there. A lot of weed beds, lead, weed areas, and stuff like that. Yep. And if you're up here, you know, you wanna, you wanna fish the structure. In the springtime, of course, you don't wanna fish the pilings. The pilings, you don't wanna fish in the springtime, because they're not there. They're in spawning, so they're into the shallower bays both the largemouth and smallmouth. There's not, you wouldn't catch a fish there. I notice a lot of people who don't know, they just see, you know, the bridges and the pilings and, you know, and that's a, a bass store, which it is, but it's not that time of the year. So they'll, they'll waste their time fishing the pilings, really, when you should be going near the shoreline, the rocky points and, and the, actually rock and sand. Sand is a, is, a, is a key thing in the springtime. Where the rock and sand meet, they, they seem to go there. And I think it's because of the heat you know, the uh, effect of the sun in the sandier thing, I think it warms up more. And that's where they're going to the warmer water. Let's give the fans a bash. Let's give them a secret. Give them something that you maybe don't share. A tip, 
uh, a secret technique. Let something out. Okay. That maybe you haven't shared anywhere. All right. I've got a few, but but this one I, I do I do want to talk about. We talked about it earlier, um, but I I want to I want to reiterate it, which is those key spots in the grass that that Champlain's known for, right? Um, the places, those irregularities, and a lot of times it's a hard bottom spot. You know, how do you find them? You know, because we've got the best electronics in the world now, but when you're idling a grass flat that's six to eight foot deep for five miles, you could zigzag it for three days and you're not gonna find that rock. I don't care what you do with your sensitivity. Dude, there's too much grass. There's milfoil, there's hydrilla, there's coontail. And it's, it's so much of it, you can't physically see it with your, with your graph. So, you know, I, I really, I'm gonna go ahead and say that 90% of the special magic places like that, those hard irregularities in the grass that I found in Lake Champlain, 90% of them I found with the bait, not with the sonar unit. That's a, that's a big thing. I think, especially now, in this day of technology, people have gotten away from finding that stuff with the lure. And you know, um, there's nothing better, dude, than a big jig, a half to three quarter ounce jig, or a tungsten weight, right? Tungsten weight, a half ounce, a three quarter ounce tungsten weight to feel what's down there and let the bait find it for you, you know? You know, and, and I'll get on those flats and I'll literally do, I'll do uh, zigzags. You know, I'll, I'll go down the flat, back the flat, and I'm watching my lines so that as I fan cast, I'm doing a good job of covering that entire flat. And, you know, and, I, and I'm feeling, as I pitch in that grass, I'm feeling, you know, is it soft? I'm feeling, I'm waiting for that feeling of what, what we call the crunch. You know, and you finally, you throw that big jig or that tungsten out there, you haven't felt anything for 45 minutes, and all of a sudden you feel, feel hard. You feel it digging in. Dude, and nine times out of 10, before you, you know, you get excited, you're like, oh, that's the rock. And, and as you think it, you know, and now with spot lock, and, and back in the day it was marker buoy, but now with spot lock or power poles, you stop, and it's, it can be every cast. It's unbelievable. And so, using the bait, you know, to, to, find, to find those magic spots here. God, I've done it in the north end of the lake. I've done it at Ticonderoga. I've won a red man doing that down in Ticonderoga. It's such a good technique to find fish that other guys won't find, you know? Most of those other guys are gonna idle it, not see anything and leave. Or when they fish that flat, they're only gonna fish the outside edge of the grass and they're virgin fish. They're fish that aren't fished for. They're, they're the load. It's the mother load. It's the juice. It's the magic. And you find it with the bait. You don't find it with a sonar. All right, here we go. This is one of the most exciting parts right here of the fishing day. You launch the boat. You have anticipation. You're excited. You're anxious. And it's the beginning of a puzzle that's unsolved. Our goal today is we're going to come out here we're gonna to try to solve the puzzle and hopefully catch some big largemouth and big smallmouth on Lake Champlain. Now that's exciting. Here we go, boys.
like uh, it looks like we're out in the middle of nowhere. But what you have here, if you look at this, is a you have a big flat that comes off the bank, heading into this pocket, and it's loaded with grass. This whole flat's got grass on it, but interspersed with the grass are um, are rock rock piles, isolated rock. And that's really what the, what the attractor is this time of the year. Uh, we're in the fall, and what happens is the, uh, all this grass is, is actually dying. This grass is starting to die off. And as that grass dies, they're really attracted to the hard, hard cover. So rocks or wood or anything hard becomes a lot more important in the fall as that grass dies. In the grand scheme of things on a lake like this, this is Lake Champlain. It's a natural lake. There's a mix of smallmouth and largemouth. When you look at this day, this is a better largemouth day, right? It's cloudy, it's windy. The uh, largemouth prefer these conditions. The smallmouth, they don't like the wind, they don't like the clouds, they don't like the rain. They, they want it sunny, still. And the reason for that is smallmouth feed more by sight. And, and so when it's like this, they have a harder time finding the bait. Um, but largemouth, you know, they feed more on vibration. Oh, there was a bite there, I missed it. There's a look at um, some of that grass we're fishing around right there. It's called milfoil grass. And it's, uh, it's real feathery. It grows in these dense patches along these flats. And that attracts the bait fish. And the bait is what attracts the bass. So that's the key to the circle of life right there. If you have that, you're gonna have bait fish. There's a bass. And that's the first bite I had. Alright. Number one. Now, you know, I put put the spot lock on. You get your first bite. And now it's a matter of saying, is that was that a random bite? Or is that the first piece of the puzzle? That's the question you gotta start asking now. So you know, largemouth, nice two pound largemouth or so. But I switched to a different technique. We had fished a, a spinnerbait, a vibrating jig, and then I went to a lure that gets closer to the bottom. This can be a, this can be a bluegill or a crawfish imitation. And got my first bite in about five foot of water. So, you know, now what we're gonna do is we're gonna let this fish go and we're gonna try to get another bite. You know, if we can get another bite, it might be the beginning of a pattern. So that's, that's what we got to figure out. It's a good one, number one. It's not bad. Let that thing go. Now, let's see if we can get another bite. One bite can be luck. Two or three bites, that's not luck, that's a pattern. That's the beginnings of a pattern. That was a really strong bite too, so. Another one, yeah, big one too. Big, oh God, a big giant largemouth. This is what I mean. This is pattern fishing right here. This is what you want. Look at this thing. Look at that big giant. Wow, 
Wow. See how fast it could happen? You see how fast it could happen? I mean, we literally went from, <laughs> we went from being, not want to say desperate, but you know, we were one spot, two spot, no bites, a couple pike. And all of a sudden we changed techniques. It's a cloudy, windy day. Why fish a bottom bait? Doesn't make any sense. But the fish, the fish have to tell you what to do. You know, that's the ultimate goal is to let the fish tell you what to do. Not your buddy, not what you read in, on the internet, but the fish. Let the fish tell you what to do. And when they're eating it like that, I mean, it's down his throat. That's a good sign. That's a, about a four pound largemouth. This, a lot of these trolling motors now have a spot lock feature. So when I caught that first bass, I immediately, I put my spot lock on immediately and it anchored me here in this spot. I was able to make another cast to that same area and catch almost back-to-back -back fish. So that, that was a good one right there. It's a good number one right there for us. Good number one. Hopefully, hopefully this is the making of a pattern. Remember, one bite could be luck, right? But two and three bites, that's a pattern. Yes, yes. back to that same beaver style bait. I'm just alternating baits now. There's a big giant group of fish there and you can see they get fired up and they slow down. And a lot of times switching, cycling between baits will re-fire the school up. So obviously we have a school of fish here. So you throw bait, throw bait till you feel it slow. Grab another one, throw it, throw it, throw it till you feel it slow. So now we're just cycling through some different baits right there. Once again, I, I put the spot lock down. I made just a little move. I moved about five feet, caught that fish, put the spot lock down. Immediately throw right back. I'm not gonna waste any time. See, they slowed down on it, you know? Fish, fish, bite, bite, and then, and here, here's the deal, okay? So they've, they've got used to that bait. The bite is slowed, we're gonna switch again. Now we're gonna to go to a little finesse. You see me picking up a different style of rod, light line, just a stoff stick bait. This is a, a Berkeley Power Bait General, um, dark color general. We'll throw in that same area. We'll see with a different style bait. We're gonna just keep changing. We're gonna keep rotating between these different lures. It's a fish we wouldn't have caught if we didn't make that switch. A little smaller fish, but you know, the power of continually changing, you know, constant change to keep those fish biting. It's rotating between lures, you know, and then remember where you got that bite. And I try, to, I try to immediately cast back to that same exact spot. Another one. 
Another fish I wouldn't have caught if I didn't keep switching. Getting them refired up, you know? Real important. Real important. That's why you have a lot of rods on the deck. I hear so many people say, what do you need that many rods for? Why you have that many rods on the deck, you know? And this is a classic example of why. Why you want this many rods on the deck. Not just to change as you hit different targets, but also to change when you find a school like this. A great example of it. Perfect. There it goes. Switch baits. Again, you know, we're maximizing, maximizing the school. It's real important. Um, you know, I kept saying, you just keep switching. Went from a creature bait to a jig, back to the creature bait to a vibrating jig, and we're reigniting the school. So we have the school identified, so now it's a matter of keeping them biting. And one of the ways to keep them biting is to change the lures. Uh, basically just went from, we had a perch colored one on, which is what they're feeding on, but we went to a real dark one. And with these conditions, you know, what a dark bait does, if you notice, all these baits are real dark. Uh, even the jig, it's black, black and blue, black and blue, is under these dark conditions, you want contrast or brightness. So, you know, black is the ultimate contrast, right? It's dark, it's black, it's the absence of color. And that contrast in this, in this water with these clouds is, is attracting the bites. See if we can get another one. I really slowed it down too. I almost let it sink to the bottom, you know? Go to a spinning, there's a big one. There's a big one. There's a big one. There's a big one. No, it's a good one. It's not a big one, but it's a good one. Look at that. Man, it feels so good when you figure out pattern. You know, you, you hear the term pattern fishing, fishing the moment. What just transpired is exactly that. We went out this morning, we want to catch, we want to catch small mouse, but the condition wasn't right. Windy, cloudy, the water was dirty. We kept an open mind, we kept moving, and we found a pile of largemouth. Man, if you can do that in your fishing every day, if you can let go of your history, forget about your history. Fish the moment. Let the fish tell you what to do. If you can do that every time you fish, you will be, you will be a better angler. And that's that's the bottom line. What a spot. It's a nice one. Man. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. I love it.
know, you know how your tournament's yeah. going yeah. when the camera boat leaves. Yeah, it. and I think he said, you know, oh, we got to go up and cover. All right, welcome back. Fresh off of the bucket list at Lake Champlain. Figured we'd leak a little bit of that awesome Bass University featured content that we shot up there at Lake Champlain, the historic Lake Champlain, that is. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we shot that content, Jocelyn, and your name was in the credits. I know. That is so cool. I never saw my name in the credits before. You're, I didn't even know it was on there. You're pretty much famous at this point. You yeah. are now a movie star because you were featured in the credits on a Bash TV exclusive <laughs> content production. So. It's Joss B. Fishing now, not Joss, Riz B. Fishing. That's, that's right. Joss B. Fishing. Guys, Joss just caught a giant. She always <laughs> does. Um, but uh, anyway, so that was that was the bucket list. We're going to feature a little bit more of that stuff next week for you guys as well. Um, we also have a, a Bashu TV bucket list uh, that we shot down on Lake Chickamauga uh, for our friends down there in the more southern regions of the country, down there in Tennessee. Um, that's another great one as well. We shot that with Wesley Strader. Uh, he, he grew up on Chickamauga. And uh, we had the privilege of sharing the boat with him for a few days to to shoot that. So um, awesome stuff. Be on the lookout for that coming up as well. Um, but right now, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do today with everybody who's watching is I wanted to show some of the awesome things that you can do uh, on the Bashu TV website, right? Um, everybody knows, or at least we try to make it known, that our website features over a thousand videos on the website, but that can be overwhelming at times. You don't know where to start. You don't know which video you want to watch first. Um, one of the cool things about what we do at Bash TV is we have search features and we have categories that all of our videos are broken down and categorized into. Um, so what I'm going to do here is share my screen with you guys for a couple of seconds, a couple of brief seconds. And um, I'm gonna actually show you uh, on the Bash TV website how you can find exactly what it is you wanna learn about. I mean, we always say from A to Z, we got you covered. Uh, and that, that really is true. Um, we have pretty much anything you could ever wanna learn about in the sport of bass fishing. It can all be found in one place. So. Um, if you're sitting back watching right now and you, you've been wondering how you can get more out of your Bashu TV experience, I am about to show you um, on my screen. So as you can see here, you have the Bashu TV website. Uh, that's the background. We have our ticker flowing through some of our current promotions. There's G-Man. Uh, that was a screenshot from his Buzzbait seminar. There's Pete the Dean behind the helm going over a hummingbird piece. And that's a little screenshot of our app. Um, but let's just say uh, somebody wanted to learn about how to fish ledges, right? Um, we talked with Kyle Hall just a few minutes ago. He was going in-depth on um, on how he was finding the biggest schools of smallmouth that he could find off the ledges on Champlain and targeting all the biggest ones. So you want to learn about how to fish ledges. Let's see. I'm going to type in ledges in our search bar which is up at the top right guys if you're at home and you're wondering how to do this uh always on bashu tv if you're on a desktop 
uh, you can utilize our search bar, which will be on the top right of your screen. Simply type in anything you want to learn about there, and boom, you hit enter. And what you get is your return, right? And in this return is all of the videos on Bashu TV that show about uh, fishing ledges. Um, some of our most popular ones here are uh, with G-Man, Gerald Swindle. Uh, we had the privilege of sharing the boat with him uh, a couple years back out on uh, Lake Gunnersville, and he put down an absolute beatdown. And uh, one of the things I want you to notice here is the length. Uh, this is not a five-minute sizzler video that you see on YouTube. This is an hour long, right? This is highly detailed, specific information uh, on exactly what you want to learn about to help you get out on the water and become a better angler quickly. Um, and it's not just that video. There's plenty more. There's videos from uh, Body Gross uh, where he's breaking down how he uses his electronics to find fish on ledges. Um, Brian Thrift about crankbait fishing in all depths, including ledges. Um, and here's a really unique one that we filmed a couple years ago with uh, Drew Benton um, on offshore fishing is more than ledge fishing, right? So um, there's some really, really dynamic information in a lot of these videos uh, to help you guys learn about anything you want to learn about. And uh, another cool feature that we have, if you click our videos tab, is you can go to video topics, right? Um, and if you want to just scroll through and see everything there is you could possibly learn about, it's broken down by major categories and then minor categories, right? The major category is bass fishing lures. Um, and then underneath are all the different types of lures that you could ever want to learn about, right? I'm going to go to poppers here selfishly because I've been on a little bit of a popper kick lately. Um, they, they've been eating that on my body of water, and it's just such a fun way to catch them. So I clicked on poppers, and this is the return that I get, right? All these videos teaching how to fish a popper, and these are some of the baddest dudes on the planet with a rod and reel in their hand. It's KVD, it's Brian Thrift, Lee Livesey, Randy Howell, Jesse Wiggins. I mean, if you were to try to count the trophies between those guys, I think you'd get lost in the sauce. That's how good they are, and that's the type of guys we hire to work with us. Um, there's a lot more uh, other than just uh, lures. There's specific habitat, species, electronics, fishing tackle, a whole list of professional instructors, right? So, guys, if there's one angler out there that you really, really want to learn from, we got him, right? He's on the list. Uh, you can definitely find information from him on Bashu TV. Um, and there's also seasonal patterns, techniques, tournament tactics, water conditions. Like I said, uh, from A to Z, man, we got you covered. Um, and I know I'm not supposed to do this, Joss. I'm going to do it just, just, just real quick, guys. If you're a member and you want to get access to your member benefits page, right? You got to be at you got to be a Bashu TV paying member or be taking a free trial to have access to this. But under your my account tab, there's something really cool mm -hmm. which is called your member benefits page, right? You go to your member benefits page and boom, all these companies that we work with are right there on the member benefits page and you can save money with all them but if you're not a paying member you can't see it so i'm going to click off the screen <laughs> just that fast but guys you're there, lucky it was that fast or... there is, there is some <laughs> there is some awesome stuff uh that you can take advantage of when you're a bashu tv member like i said uh 
our our guy Scott. He's he's our our marketing extraordinaire. He's our he's our man on the floor at iCast. He was working his tail off to add more and more companies to that list um, every day to to help you guys save money on your fishing stuff. So um, take advantage of the program. We're gonna do this again next week. Uh, we're gonna feature a little bit more of some bucket list content. Show you some more cool features next week as well. Uh, on the website next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about the app and some of the cool things that you can do with that as well. And just a little sneak peek, a uh, little tidbit of, of juicy info here. We have something in the works for you Bashu TV members. You've been asking for it. You mm -hmm. want to be able to access our content some different ways. Maybe times when you don't have a Wi-Fi signal. Hint, hint, hint on what might be happening. Um, so we'll we'll reveal some more of that next week. Um, but guys, it's been fun. Also, wait, in the meantime, in the meantime, they can go watch our new releases this week. That's right. That's right. Josh, thank you for reminding me. Um, guys, this week, uh, uh, coming out to bash TV yesterday, uh, we released a video from, uh, who'd we have yesterday? Pete. We had Pete Glusak yes. yesterday fishing tidal water. Um, we have it, Scott this week, Scott phone. Scott, bon, Scott Banamama. 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 And Scott was uh Scott was up there with us at um at uh where'd you guys go in Wisconsin? Uh, Sturgeon, Sturgeon Bay. Bay. Sturgeon Bay. And uh Scott was teaching us how to throw the hair jigs. Um that's a dynamite little way to dynamite little way, explosive way to catch fish. Um and he gave us the absolute juice on that. Um, tomorrow, we have an interview getting released with Todd Goad from Pulse Fish Lures. Uh, that's an awesome little uh, scrounger head style bait. He talked with us at the Classic on how that thing can be utilized to catch fish behind people. And if you tournament fish, you very well know catching fish behind people is crucial. And then on Thursday... For our on-water release, Joss, who we got? It's JT Kenny. Not all grass is the same. JT Kenny uh, seminar classroom release. Not all grass is the same. Guys, I watched that one. I got to watch that one before we even released it because I created the teasers and all that good <laughs> stuff for it. That is a really good one. He talks about eel grass, which is very prevalent all over the country, especially late this uh, late in the year. Um, and a lot of hydrilla as well. So that's going to be a really good seminar. Um, don't forget to, to to stay tuned. Catch those when they come out. A lot of good stuff is headed your way. Um, Joss, am I missing anything? Do no, we have? I a... would just uh, say one more time that we have a really good deal going on right now. Yep. For six months, it's $49.99. And you also get a $25 Tackle Direct gift card. And let me tell you, that is is worth it and then go to the member benefits spend all your money at with the 40 percent off from rapala yeah. and 30 percent missile baits and you you paid your subscription off that's right it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving right so uh <laughs> take advantage of it get signed up for the program thank you for tuning in with us and we hope to see everybody next week see you next week
BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing.